Granny's Wonderful Chair by Frances Brown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Readers for Chapter 4. Narrator read by Lynette Geisel. Storytelling Chair read by Phil Chenevere. Snowflower read by Cheyenne Dunnell. Princess Old Woman read by Joyce Couch. Servant, read by Ken Felt. Child Charity, read by Beth Thomas. Little Man, read by Glenn Prevetera. Dog, Prince, read by Ernst Patinama. Little Lady, read by Amy Graymore. Uncle, read by Algie Pug. Chapter 4. Child Charity. Another evening King Winwealth fell into low spirits, and sent down a message for Snowflower to come to the highest hall. So the little girl went up with her grandmother's chair, upon which she laid down her head, saying, Chair of my grandmother, tell me a story. The clear voice from under the cushion said, Listen to the story of child charity. Once upon a time there lived in the West Country a little girl who had neither father nor mother. They both died when she was very young, and left their daughter to the care of her uncle, who was the richest farmer in all that country. He had houses and lands, flocks and herds, many servants to work about his house and fields, a wife who had brought him a great dowry and two fair daughters. All their neighbors, being poor, looked up to the family, insomuch that they thought themselves great people. The father and mother were as proud as peacocks. The daughters thought themselves the greatest beauties in the world, and not one of the family would speak civilly to anybody they thought low. Now it happened that, though she was their near relation, they had this opinion of the orphan girl, partly because she had no fortune, and partly because of her humble, kindly nature. It was said that the more needy any creature was, the more ready she was to befriend it. So the people of the West Country called her Child Charity, and if she had any other name I never heard it. Child Charity was thought very mean in that proud house. Her uncle would not own her for his niece. Her cousins would not keep her company. Her aunt sent her to work in the dairy and to sleep in the back garret, where they kept all sorts of lumber and dry herbs for the winter. All the servants learned the same lesson and child charity had more work than the rest among them. All the day she scoured pails, scrubbed dishes, and washed crockery ware, but every night she slept in the back garret as sound as a princess could in her palace. Her uncle's house was large and white and stood among green meadows by a river's side. In front it had a porch covered with a vine, behind it had a farmyard and high granaries. Within were two parlors for the rich and two kitchens for the poor, which the neighbors thought very grand. And one day in the harvest season, when this rich farmer's corn had been all cut down and housed, he invited them to a harvest supper. The West Country people came in their holiday clothes. Such heaps of cakes and cheese, such baskets of apples and barrels of ale had never been at a feast before. They were making merry in kitchen and parlor, when a poor old woman came to the back door, begging for scraps of food and a night's lodging. Her clothes were coarse and ragged, her hair was scanty and gray, 
Her back was bent, her teeth were gone. She had a squinting eye, a clubbed foot, and crooked fingers. In short, she was the poorest and ugliest old woman that ever came begging. The first who saw her was the kitchen-maid, and she ordered her to be gone for an ugly witch. The next was the herd-boy, and he threw her a bone. But Child Charity, hearing the noise, came out from her seat at the foot of the lowest table, and asked the old woman to take her share of the supper and sleep that night in her bed in the back garret. The old woman sat down without a word of thanks. All the people laughed at Child Charity for giving her bed and her supper to a beggar. Her proud cousins said it was just like her mean spirit, but Child Charity did not mind them. She scraped the pots for her supper that night and slept on a sack among the lumber, while the old woman rested in her warm bed. And next morning, before the little girl awoke, she was up and gone, without so much as saying thank you or good morning. That day all the servants were sick after the feast, and mostly cross, too, so you may judge how civil they were. When at supper-time who should come back to the back door but the old woman, again asking for broken scraps of food and a night's lodging? No one would listen to her or give her a morsel, till child Charity rose from her seat at the foot of the lowest table, and kindly asked her to take her supper and sleep in her bed in the back garret. Again the old woman sat down without a word. Child Charity scraped the pots for her supper and slept on the sack. In the morning the old woman was gone, but for six nights after, as sure as the supper was spread, there was she at the back door, and the little girl always asked her in. Child Charity's aunt said she would let her get enough of beggars. Her cousins made game of what they called her genteel visitor. Sometimes the old woman said, Child, why don't you make this bed softer? And why are your blankets so thin? But she never gave her a word of thanks, nor a civil good morning. At last, on the ninth night from her first coming, when Child Charity was getting used to scraping the pots and sleeping on the sack, her knock came to the door, and there she stood with an ugly, ashy-colored dog, so stupid-looking and clumsy that no herd-boy would keep him. "'Good evening, my little girl,' she said when Child Charity opened the door. "'I will not have your supper in bed to-night. I am going on a long journey to see a friend. But here is a dog of mine whom nobody in all the West Country will keep for me. He's a little cross and not very handsome, but I leave him to your care till the shortest day in all the year. Then you and I will count for his keeping." When the old woman had said the last word, she set off with such speed that Child Charity lost sight of her in a minute. The ugly dog began to fawn upon her, but he snarled at everybody else. The servants said he was a disgrace to the house. The cousins wanted him drowned and it was with great trouble that Child Charity got leave to keep him in an old ruined cowhouse. Ugly and cross as the dog was, he fawned on her, and the old woman had left him in her care. So the little girl gave him part of all her meals, and when the hard frost came took him to her own back garret 
because the cowhouse was damp and cold in the long nights. The dog lay quietly on some straw in a corner. Child Charity slept soundly, but every morning the servants would say to her, What great light and fine talking was that in your back garret? There was no light but the moon shining in through the shutterless window, and no talk that I heard, said Child Charity, and she thought they must have been dreaming. But night after night, when any of them awoke in the dark and silent hour that comes before the morning, they saw a light brighter and clearer than the Christmas fire, and heard voices like those of lords and ladies in the back garret. Partly from fear and partly from laziness, none of the servants would rise to see what might be there, till at length, when the winter nights were at the longest, the little parlour-maid, who did least work and got most favour, because she gathered news for her mistress, crept out of bed when all the rest were sleeping, and set herself to watch at a small hole in the door. She saw the dog lying quietly in the corner, child Charity sleeping soundly in her bed, and the moon shining through the shutterless window. But an hour before daybreak there came a glare of lights and a sound of far-off bugles. The window opened, and in marched a troop of little men clothed in crimson and gold, and bearing every man a torch, till the room looked bright as day. They marched up with great respect to the dog where he lay on the straw, and the most richly clothed among them said, Royal Prince, we have prepared the banquet hall. What will your highness please that we do next? You have done well, said the dog. Now prepare the feast, and see that all things are in the best order, for the princess and I mean to bring a stranger who never feasted in our halls before. Your highness's commands shall be obeyed said the little man, making another bow, and he and his company passed out of the window. By and by there was another glare of lights, and a sound like far-off flutes. The window opened, and there came in a company of little ladies, clad in velvet, and each carrying a crystal lamp. They also walked up to the dog, and the gayest one said, Royal Prince, we have prepared the carpets and the curtains. What will your highness please that we do next? You have done well, said the dog. Now prepare the robes, and let all things be of the best. For the princess and I will bring with us a stranger who never feasted in our halls before. Your highness's commands shall be obeyed, said the little lady, making a low curtsy. And she and her company passed out through the window, which closed quietly behind them. The dog stretched himself out upon the straw. The little girl turned in her sleep and the moon shone in on the back garret. The parlour-maid was so much amazed, and so eager to tell this story to her mistress, that she could not close her eyes that night, and was up before cockcrow. But when she told it, her mistress called her a silly wench to have such foolish dreams, and scolded her so that she did not dare to speak about what she had seen to the servants. Nevertheless, Child Charity's aunt, thought there might be something in it worth knowing. So next night, when all the house were asleep, she crept out of bed and set herself to watch at the back garret door. There she saw just what the maid told her, the little men with the torches and the little ladies with the crystal lamps, come in to the dog, and the same words passed, only he said to the one, Now prepare the presents, and to the other, Prepare the jewels. 
When they were gone, the dog stretched himself on the straw. Child Charity turned in her sleep, and the moon shone in on the back garret. The mistress could not close her eyes any more than the maid, so eager was she to tell the story. She woke up Child Charity's rich uncle before cockcrow, but when he heard it he laughed at her for a foolish woman, and advised her not to repeat the like before her neighbors, lest they should think she had lost her senses. The mistress could say no more, and the day passed. But that night the master thought he would like to see what went on in the garret. So when all the house were asleep, he slipped out of bed and set himself to watch at the hole in the door. The same thing happened again that the maid and the mistress saw. The little men in crimson with their torches, and the little ladies in rose-colored velvet with their lamps, came in at the window and bowed low to the dog, the one saying, Royal Prince, we have prepared the presents. And the other, Royal Prince, we have prepared the jewels. The dog said to them all, You have done well. Tomorrow come and meet me and the princess with horses and chariots, and let all things be done in the best way, for we will bring a stranger from this house who has never travelled with us, nor feasted in our halls before. The little men and the little ladies said, Your Highness's commands shall be obeyed. Your Highness's commands shall be obeyed. When they had gone out through the window, the ugly dog stretched himself out on the straw. Child Charity turned in her sleep, and the moon shone in on the back garret. The master could not close his eyes any more than the maid or the mistress. He remembered to have heard his grandfather say that somewhere near his meadows there lay a path leading to the fairies' country, and the haymakers used to see it shining through the gray summer morning as the fairy bands went home. Nobody had heard or seen the like for many years, but the master thought that the doings in his back garret must be a fairy business, and the ugly dog a person of great account. His chief wonder was, however, what visitor the fairies intended to take from his house, and after thinking the matter over, he was sure it must be one of his daughters. They were so handsome and had such fine clothes. So Child Charity's rich uncle made it his first business that morning to get ready a breakfast of roast mutton for the ugly dog and carry it to him in the cowhouse. But not a morsel would the dog taste. The fairies have strange ways, said the master to himself. But he called his daughters and bade them dress themselves in their best, for he could not say which of them might be called into great company before nightfall. Child Charity's cousins, hearing this, put on the richest of their silks and laces, and strutted like peacocks from kitchen to parlor all day. They were in very bad humor when night fell, and nobody had come. But just as the family were sitting down to supper, the ugly dog began to bark and the old woman's knock was heard at the back door. Child Charity opened it, and was going to offer her bed and supper as usual, when the old woman said, This is the shortest day in all the year, and I am going home to hold a feast after my travels. I see if you've taken good care of my dog, and now if you'll come with me to my house, he and I will do our best to entertain you. Here is our company. As the old woman spoke there was a sound of far-off flutes and bugles, then a glare of lights. 
and a great company clad so grandly that they shone with gold and jewels came in open chariots covered with gilding and drawn by snow-white horses the first and finest of the chariots was empty the old woman led child charity to it by the hand and the ugly dog jumped in before her the proud cousins in all their finery had by this time come to the door but nobody wanted them no sooner was the old woman and her dog within the chariot than a wonderful change passed over them for the ugly old woman turned at once to a beautiful young princess with long golden curls and a robe of green and gold while the ugly dog at her side started up a fair young prince with nut-brown hair and a robe of purple and silver we are said they as the chariots drove on the prince and princess of fairyland and there was a wager between us whether or not there were good people still to be found in these false and greedy times one said yes and the other said no and i have lost said the prince and must pay the feast and presents child charity never heard any more of that story some of the farmer's household who were looking after them said the chariots had gone one way across the meadows some said they had gone another and till this day they cannot agree upon the way they went but child charity went with that noble company into a country such as she had never seen for primroses covered all the ground and the light was always like that of a summer evening they took her to a royal palace where there was nothing but feasting and dancing for seven days she had robes of pale green and velvet to wear and slept in a room inlaid with ivory when the feast was done the prince and princess gave her such heaps of gold and jewels that she could not carry them but they gave her a chariot to go home in drawn by six white horses on the seventh night which happened to be christmas time when the farmer's family had settled in their own minds that she would never come back and were sitting down to supper they heard the sound of her coachman's bugle and saw her alight with all the jewels and gold at the very back door where she had brought in the ugly old woman the fairy chariot drove away and never again came back to that farmhouse after but child charity scoured and scrubbed no more for she grew a great lady even in the eyes of her proud cousins End of chapter 4